Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshark.net. In this week's podcast, we'll be figuring out why the government won't fund ICT properly. And yes, I do know there's a grant on the way. And speaking of which, I'll be giving you some advice on how to spend this said grant. But first of all, we'll have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of primary education this week. Anyone recommend a good teacher, Osquelga, about a female engineer so I could kill four birds with the one stone? Uh, that goes a tweet from the fantastic Class Action News uh, that summed up a very busy week for primary schools this week. Uh, with not one, but uh, four different events on. We had the start of Shockton and Guelga, uh, Engineers Week, World Book Day and International Women's Day. Um, however, our first story this week is actually um, the planned climate change protest, which uh, was backed in the door by Leo Vradkar. Uh, that's happening this Friday. Um, it's fantastic news and uh, it's great to see that students themselves are taking the planet into their own hands um, and wonderful to uh, see this protest movement that started with one uh, young uh, person in uh, in Sweden uh, that's developed into such a worldwide movement. Uh, some of our later podcasts are going to talk about um, environmental issues such as sustainability um, but it's really really important that our, ch- that our kids are going to take this into their own hands and I hope this protest is well supported by schools all over the country. I know there's a massive uh, protest this Friday uh, in Dublin uh, and I'll be doing hopefully my bit in Carlo trying to organise the troops uh, in our town um, uh, just uh, to help help the kids along because um, I think this is a uh, this may be the start of um, of something that's obviously very, very, very important for not just uh, our children, but for generations after them. Uh, schools are great at supporting events, as we all know. And um, I suppose one school that hit the headlines this week was in Greystones. Uh, they um, turned their entire school into Hogwarts, uh, the Harry Potter, Harry Potter school, for those of you who somehow haven't uh, been living uh, under a rock for the last 20 years. Uh, for World Book Day, um, basically, uh, they've all the students um, dressed up as their favourite Harry Potter characters. I didn't see any pictures of teachers. Um, you know, to be honest, personally, I, I hate dressing up. So this sort of stuff kind of worries me greatly. Um, uh, to be honest, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I had the misfortune of actually being the only staff member in my school dressed up one year. And um, I was none too pleased with my big Willy Wonka uh, top hat um, <laughs> and everyone laughing at the staff room. Um, I haven't really dressed up since. Um Anyway, we will move on. <laughs> Parents in scaries are also none too pleased, uh, except this time they're none too pleased with the news that a fast food restaurant is going to open kind of nearly within an eye shot of one of the schools and kind of close to a Montessori. Uh, and to be really, really perfectly honest, they're doing a fantastic job Um yeah, of actually promoting this fast food restaurant. I, I, the one thing I'm, I kind of can't understand is... Um, how we've managed to actually not uh, say the name of this fast food restaurant all over the media. I tried everywhere. I've looked at the journal. I've looked at Twitter. I've looked at oh well anywhere else where you can find where people generally spill the beans, and I just couldn't find it. Uh, to be honest, but uh, I find this story um, really difficult uh, to to uh, to uh, understand because ultimately uh, they're actually uh, promoting this fast food restaurant rather than actually what they're trying to achieve, and really. Um, I guess I'm 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 loving it. Um, that's a terrible joke. I feel they're they've they've really lost the argument though. Um, to be honest, because it was revealed there on uh, on the news, uh, there's actually already a very well known chipper in the area in the same location, which is within the same distance. Um, in any case, um, saying no um is an important skill for parents to learn and hopefully these parents are going to get used to it as uh, their children as they walk their children past this new two story fast food restaurant. And learning to be disappointed is also a very good skill for children to learn. Um, as teachers, well, we're very much used to being disappointed, which, of course, is a great segue into the release of Kamasu, the action plan for education for 2019, which was released three months into 2019 with over 280 actions for us to complete before the end of the year. It's... um. It's so long. I actually dedicated a special podcast earlier in the week to it uh, on its own. And yes, uh, if you listen to the uh, half hour of it, you will be not only disappointed, but worried. 
um, because there is uh, for all the talk of slowing down the workload um, particularly uh, for principals um, this just pretty much tells us that the government really are having a laugh um, they don't really care anyway apparently there's a call for an old light for the old library grant to be returned to schools uh, that happened in world book day apparently it was cut in 2008 and it never returned um uh, my school that i that i'm a principal of um opened in 2008 uh, so i we never got this grant i, I actually didn't even know it existed until i saw it in the news and um, now if there were a choice for returning of grants i would imagine that the library grant probably isn't the first on the list for um most uh, most schools there's plenty of other cuts that happened in the last decade but i would be unsurprised if it wasn't welcomed at the same time um according to the journal uh, article school libraries are failing now to meet children's needs um so uh, i think that's probably fair that uh, most school libraries are stocked up with lots and lots and lots of books the trouble is um very uh, very few of them would be uh, books that have been published in the last decade. They're generally hand-me-downs from homes where children didn't have um, finished reading those books. Um, so um, I think it's absolutely welcome, that news. And uh, the final piece of news that uh, I came across anyway in education, uh, somebody else um, wants to, uh, someone else wants to save the Irish language. Oh, good. Um, because that's something that uh, happens every so often. You get an article in a newspaper with someone uh, looking to save the Irish language from its decline. Um, and this time it's with technology. And in fairness uh, to Oshin, who uh, who's in the Irish Independent, uh, he incidentally runs a company that teaches languages through technology, Duolingo. There is a free ad for you. He's right. Um, however, he really doesn't go far enough. That's my, my only complaint, because I actually agree with him. The Irish language is dying on its arse. And um, and every so often it gets a bit of a shot in the arm, which keeps it going for another while. Um, now, many people will argue with me when I say it's dying on its arse, but uh, that's for next week's episode where i actually talk about the irish language uh, but nobody's really tackling the real problem and an app um isn't going to be the full answer um and um i suppose what we'll do is i'll park that for for next uh, until next week because i want to really uh, get on to our episode before we do that, I want to just say a big thank you to everyone for the lovely messages support from our last uh, couple of podcasts. Uh, you can comment on anything you hear on onshaw.net uh, on the website or on any of our social media channel- channels. Uh, that's uh, either on uh, Facebook, Twitter or anywhere else you'll find us. Um, we even have a YouTube channel, um, but um, videos are um, generally nothing to do with this particular podcast. Um, you can also comment or add reviews on the podcast page itself. And I'm always grateful for any reviews especially positive ones um thanks uh, very much i'll just mention a few thank yous uh, to angela on twitter who said of kumasu which was our uh, special podcast over the weekend i actually she said i can't believe when they're laying out this that the increasingly impossible requirements on schools are not recognized the only way this plan is going to be implemented is to make the necessary changes to support it which is absolutely true and a good uh, old friend of mine dahi overhu um also commented saying vision with action only will deliver results uh, that all begins with supply inadequate numbers of primary teachers and specialist second level teachers in specific and identified areas same old story again if education is not right then the system and economy fails uh, which both of those uh, a sample of the comments uh, that were received um i didn't receive any negative comments about the kumasu um podcast um but uh, i would love to hear a little bit more about what people think um of my comments on the 280 uh, point action plan uh, despite Joe McHugh's uh, Minister Joe McHugh's promises that he would have a slowdown uh, in the workload for principals so that is uh, th- that is just uh, the review of our last podcast we'll move on to our main episode uh, point which is all about technology and the topic is if I were the Minister for Education I would fund ICT properly right Let's get down to it and uh, we'll give a few words on my background. Just um, I suppose it might give a bit of context. Um, I didn't start off life as a teacher. Um, I had a different life before that. In fact, my degree uh, was in computer science. So I have uh, I did that about 20 years ago and have always kept my eye on the world of technology, particularly in the world of education when I moved into that. Um, and uh, I remember when I got my first job in a primary school, um, 
I suppose computers had just started entering um, the, the classroom and my job really I guess was the fact that I was able to tune in videos and DVD players was proving more handy really than my, my knowledge of computers. But I managed to uh, set up the school's um, computer room with the uh, post holder and we did we had lots of fun for the three years that I was there um, and um, in the meantime I've been giving courses for about 20 years on any aspect of technology um, and uh, I give talks where uh, well anyone will have me I tend to uh, have I've, I've actually while well, I've worked a little bit with the PDST I tend to give courses that I've written myself um, as I like to um, kind of have the freedom to speak about my own feelings on um, on technology and education. Um, in fact, on Shaw.net, uh, this website started off as an educational technology website, um, and there's years and years of articles from about 2008 upwards um, about technology on the website, which you'd be more than uh, I would like uh, more than happy to read if you wish. Um, I suppose before we talk about why is ICT not funded properly by the Department of Education? It's probably interesting enough to find out a very, very short summary of the history of technology and education. And, you know, we, we, we'll go through, I suppose, error after error or maybe syntax error after syntax error uh, for the geeks amongst us. Um, People might actually be surprised, though, um, that technology and education in the Irish context isn't really that new. Uh, many people might have thought that uh, technology only really began in the last 10 years or so, but technology um, in Irish education really was born in 1973, over 40 years ago, um, with the um, with the uh, with the uh, with the this uh, with a society um, called SESI. Many of you have heard of this, SESI, uh, the Computers and Education Society of Ireland. And this was set up in Trinity College um, in 1973, um, where they had a little think. They wanted to think about how could these, at the time, very, very big, massive machines, what, how could they be used in education, um, in schools um, or in colleges uh, for the purpose of, of education, which, um, which is really interesting because um, some people might be surprised to know that um, technology really is not that new. However, it really wasn't until the 1980s, um, and again, some people might be surprised about that, uh, where technology really started coming into maybe more so secondary schools uh, with BBC Micros, and maybe a little more in primary schools in the 1990s uh, with uh, when the PC uh, really started uh, maturing a little bit. Um, but really, if we're really, really serious about when did technology really, really begin from a primary school perspective, it was actually 1997 with um, the Department of Education's IT2000 project. Now, the IT2000 project was very ambitious. It cost a lot of money. I think, if I'm right, it was around £170 million pounds, um, uh, at the time. Um, and the idea of it was that uh, in partnership with Telecom Aaron, Aaron which uh, became Air, Aircom, then Air, um, Every school in the country got one computer. It was a Gateway 2000 um, for uh, you um, computer enthusiasts there. And the Gateway 2000 was a Windows 98 computer, if I, as, if, as far as I remember. Um, and uh, it generally sat in many primary schools in a box in the staff room. And every so often, somebody there thought about opening that box and then didn't. Um, I was in a school doing work experience at the time when I uh, was uh, when I had a look um, at said box and opened it and turned it on and uh, it was kind of funny um, because most teachers uh, didn't really use technology uh, back then I mean the internet was only a fledgling kind of um, thing at the time dial up um, was uh, was still the main main provider and I don't think it was that teachers really didn't know how to use them. I suppose there was a fear of how would they be used in a primary school context. Um, and in fact, the government uh, made its first bad decision uh, in terms of that. Um, rather than actually training teachers how to use uh, these computers for, for education, because despite what I've said, most teachers probably owned a computer at home. Um, what they did was they decided they would teach them how to word process, and, and um, rather than, uh, which, is, which is all well and good, but wasn't particularly educational. And even though the Department of Education made a very good decision of not um, making um, technology a subject, 
um, rather that it was a resource or, or a help to uh, or a methodology. Um, they didn't train the teachers in using it as a methodology or as a resource. They actually showed them the skills uh, of typing and word processing and formatting, uh, which wasn't which but didn't link it to the curriculum, which was a real, really, really big mistake. Um, and it really paved the way for the future in a way. I, I would nearly blame that as the foundation of bad mistakes. However, it wasn't all bad. They did do one really good thing in 1998, which uh, was the SIP project um schools integration project uh for technology it was probably um one of the best things uh they did with technology uh where where certain schools showcased what could be done with these computers and um these things sort of ranged from enthusiastic schools where they'd been using technology and playing around with it for a while uh things like web quests which was where you could um uh, for those of you who don't know what WebQuest is, you start on a website and you follow clues to get to the next website, to get to the next website, to get to the next, uh, to, to kind of like a role-playing game, um, all the way to a fantastic project, but probably my, I, I would say probably the highlight of the of all the projects, which was a, a thin client network uh, all across Dublin Bay, led by uh, Dr. Tom McFadden, um, who has... Um, who really, in a way, was a pioneer. I would, uh, in terms of how technology is today, at the best use of technology today. It's amazing he was doing this twenty over twenty years ago, um, and and now it's starting to become an affordable solution um, for schools. The problem, unfortunately, was the lack of planning, really, from uh, from the government and the lack of and, and and our lack of knowledge. And really, I suppose eight years after um, technology was brought into schools again no funding as well uh, was a problem only four percent of teachers actually use technology at all in their classroom which is amazing if you consider it today i would say it's close to 100 percent um in 2019 most classrooms had a computer um at the back of the room in 2005 but it was usually covered with a tablecloth i'm i'm deadly serious um some of you may <laughs> may be able to um uh to 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 relate to that but the thing was um in 2000 it was actually 2008 when everything changed um it was i can one can even pinpoint uh, the exact day that it happened it was actually the irish primary principles network conference the ippn conference where a company um came along uh, primed uh, who were uh, selling uh, promethean interactive whiteboards and um they wanted to showcase this device an interactive whiteboard uh, to all the principals in the country and what better place than the IPPN conference where you would have almost a thousand principals uh, looking at uh, at this brand new spanking fantastic magic uh, board and really it was the Trojan horse that we'd all been waiting for everybody knew there was potential to technology but this was the thing that changed everything and the reason it worked was because it wasn't a huge step away from the traditional whiteboard or blackboard whatever people did was just a little step to the right direction and from there everything else came um 2009 there is a still just just as a matter of a um bit of knowledge no funding had still come to schools by then so anyone who wanted these interactive boards because everybody left that uh, that conference going i need to get an interactive whiteboard and um, they needed to get to fundraise to get that there was a little bit of funding though that came in around 2009 2010 where schools were networked and uh decent uh, internet came along and everybody really ended up buying an interactive whiteboard Be, and it was it was such a lucrative market at the time there were actually over 50 companies in ireland like a small com- uh, country like around 50 basically selling 26 different types of interactive whiteboard um at varying price levels and all sorts of stuff it's actually where onshaw.net began uh, we began um looking at every single whiteboard that was on the market and comparing and contrasting them according to different criteria and rating them and and we had our own league table for the best interactive whiteboard out there um but um after that really um i suppose the government tried various r- roadmaps and frameworks um to try and get teachers to link these um these things that they actually bought themselves not with government funding um and uh, ultimately they they didn't work um, they a lot of schools you, you might get into might you might find on dusty shelves old roadmaps um, and um, there were various procurement plans that were developed and mainly ignored by schools and really uh, by 2010 no two schools looked the same and um, 
the whole of technology scene in Ireland in different schools is very, very haphazard. There were some schools that had huge amounts of technology. Uh, there were some schools that had almost no technology. Uh, but every school, there, every school was in between that. Um, and really, um, by 2010, the recession had pretty much killed off the main um, businesses that were selling interactive whiteboards. So lots of schools were left high and dry in terms of support. Um, the recession also lost schools, one of the most important resources they had, which were ICT advisors uh, in the education centres. In education centres up until then, uh, basically there was somebody employed to give advice only on technology and was a great, great resource. Unfortunately, that came to an end. Um, as well as the 2010s came along, that's this decade uh, that we're just coming to the end of. Um, the other big story really when it came to technology was before 2010, Microsoft had complete monopoly on technology in schools every computer was every computer and every laptop was a windows uh, laptop and windows computer and everyone used microsoft office um there were a few ideas to try and get um open source software but nobody really bit it but uh, then along then came along the apple uh, came along apple uh, steve jobs and his ipad and google came along separately to that with google apps um both separate things ipad being the hardware a tablet and google apps being a software um which was to compete with microsoft office the ipad really changed um changed the landscape um, and it led the way for other providers of uh, hardware to come in. And we've come up with this sort of situation now where you've got Microsoft devices, you've got Apple devices, and now Google have their own devices, Chromebooks. Um, so we have three major, major companies vying for the education space. In terms of the Microsoft Office or the Office space, you still have Microsoft Office out there, but you also have Google Apps uh, for Education or G Suite for Education as it's known now. Um, Apple have their own suite as well, but it, it, that really isn't their field. Um, and um, to be fair, there uh, i don't see them trying to make inroads in there um the problem is um for schools uh, sometimes choice is a bad thing and we talked about that when we were talking about church state separation uh but um uh, but choosing which one to go for whether it's microsoft apple or uh, chromebook or a combination of them isn't a very easy decision because most of them have their own strengths um and weaknesses and it's really up to the priorities of the schools we'll talk about that a little bit later but really from but really um that's where we are now we're in a kind of a reasonably complicated uh landscape we set the scene by not training teachers properly we didn't give proper advice to schools for what to buy um, everybody did their own thing because they they got no funding so they had to fundraise themselves so then they in fairness they had autonomy to what to buy um, everybody was looking at uh, over their shoulder at the other schools and seeing what they've got and trying to compete so you ended up having all this chaotic sort of stuff uh, going on um, because there was no money coming in computers got old you you wouldn't be surprised even now today in 2019 to find a very old um, computer in there you might even find a gateway 2000 if you're very lucky but there are still some schools despite um, everything still working off Windows XP um, and, and and so on so it's it's um, it's, a, it's an interesting um, kind of landscape but not a very uh, not a very useful one if you're trying to streamline what you want to do. Um, but basically, there was no from ninety from about nineteen ninety nine to about two thousand eight. There was really zero government investment in technology. Um, there were some one off grants, but nothing regular. And for whatever reason, a few years ago, in the depths of recession, when nobody was looking, and without increasing the minor works grant, schools were told that technology expenses would now come from the minor works grant. Now, for me, that is uh, that was a sneaky cut um a bit of a, a, a cut by stealth they didn't necessarily um take any money away from the minor works grant but they basically said if you want anything fixed uh, from your from your technology it comes from the minor works grant which is not its purpose um so we um we really need to uh look at that um in in this uh, podcast in fairness now i i have to be fair from 2017 to 2021 all schools are going to be guaranteed some money uh, which is helpful um but there's so much to catch up on we have about 20 years to catch up on when we're really really far behind we also have a new digital le learning framework which is the latest plan and the latest roadmap for technology and education it's not great um and i'll probably talk about this uh a little bit later maybe another podcast um 
But one interesting project uh, that is going on at the moment is the Digital Cluster project. It's kind of like a 21st century version of the SIP project from 1998, where groups of schools are working together on ICT projects. It's uh, going to be interesting to see the outcome of this. Uh, I'm involved in one in my in my own school with a few other school, uh, a few other Educate Together schools, and um, I must say, uh, to be fair, it's very well supported, um, and um, I, I I think. Um, some of those projects may have the same um, impact as Tom McFadden's uh, Thin Client uh, Network from Dublin Bay. So today we're really focusing on funding um, in this episode and why it's part of the MinderWorks grant. Uh, ultimately, I, I suppose the most likely reason for why um, the MinderWorks grant uh, managed to um, shovel in the ICT uh, services, probably the recession. You know, there was no money uh, to pay for technology. So the government basically stuck the any ICT money in with minor works. And um, the problem is with, uh, well, one of the many problems is that schools still aren't guaranteed the minor works grant. I mean, the, and, and the minor works grant, by the way, for those of you who don't know, are uh, is a grant that's paid to schools to fix things that break, such as sewage systems or um, cracks in walls or things falling off walls <laughs> basically anything that, that you need a caretaker or a repairman to do changing out light bulbs or light, uh, things that things like that um but basically um it's it's it it's not guaranteed um now it is we've been told uh, lately that we will have it for the next little while but that aside even if it were guaranteed it still isn't enough to pay for all the repairs in schools. It's actually, the Minor Works Grant doesn't cover everything. So adding technology in there means it's going to go even less far, which is um, which is pretty disgraceful, uh, to be honest. Um, history's taught us um, that the government hasn't planned for technology properly. And when they finally came to the table, they were already too late in 1997. Technology, for example, in the UK was very well established by 1997. Uh, and by 2005, uh, when only 4% of teachers were using technology, they were already at least 10 years behind everyone else in the world. And the lack of investment in infrastructure such as broadband and technical support has effectively kept us still far, far behind everyone else, um, which is really annoying. Um, and But for what some bizarre reason, the government have invested in fast broadband at second level, for example, but not at primary. So we have kind of... Um, these problems where they're putting the money into the wrong places you know why why again fund one um you know one one segment really 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 well and then another segment terribly um anyway however uh for some reason and again the only reason we're still not in the dark ages i mean for example if schools basically used the money that the government have given us for technology we would have nothing um but the reason we aren't in the dark ages is a school based schools were clever enough to take on technology themselves and they made a best of a bad situation in fact uh, a situation where they were getting nothing the fact that we got no funding it was no problem for schools um, a former principal once noted that all his technology was funded by cake sales and tesco vouchers um, and he was absolutely right and uh, you, you know that was a bit of a joke at the time um but it was an absolutely serious point that every interactive whiteboard every computer was funded by people buying cakes uh, so what should the government do i suppose i've had my moan um and while it's great to have some funding for the next few years, it has to continue. It's not okay that this stops um, at the end of 2020 or 2021. This ha uh, uh, this grant that we're getting, while it's not a lot uh, generally, now it's a welcome, um, this, it's going to ensure the schools have enough money to get to a decent baseline. So what we have right now, probably 2021, will get us to a, to an, uh, to a point where it's okay, you know, and we can build from it. We need that to continue so we can maintain what we have and maybe uh, take a few uh, to, to try a few new things out. Um, because what is the world going to look like in 2021? I know it's only a couple of years away, but we, we're seeing already um, that new technology is happening all the time. And I'm not talking about interactive screens. I'm talking about robotics um, and things like that. And um, the idea of being able to uh, manipulate um, objects to do to do what you well, to do small jobs uh, we're looking at 3d printing we're looking at very interesting developments in the world once it's in place though the government really really need to ensure there's a really good system of technical support in place there's no good giving us money every year um 
What if it goes wrong? We it's it's very very easy for them to set up good technical support locally in every region. This can be done through uh, local education centres, for example. Whereas if you have a problem, it can be solved remotely, um, or a technician may be able to come out to schools. It should be easy to organise this, um, and I would suggest that education centres are probably our best bet. Um, also, um, they need to keep funding technology and ensure equipment's kept up to date. Um, you'll actually still find in schools uh, the old CRT monitors, you know, the big, the big monitors in lots of primary schools. And um, as I said, you wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be surprised to find a, a Windows ninety eight machine in some uh, primary schools either. It's um, it's it's astounding. Um, we keep, uh, you know, we're we're buying. Um, you'll find that a lot of schools are buying refurbished laptops from companies that basically are throwing out would otherwise throw out their laptops. We're buying their their kind of old laptops so that so we can use them in primary schools now i'm not saying we should have state-of-the-art laptops but it seems bizarre that we're you know that that that's the system that seems to be uh, happening in schools and um, that we're buying old laptops uh, from uh, where uh, from uh, companies that basically um get them uh, get them out of uh, that get them uh, basically rescue them from a skip um anyway but the biggest elephant in the room really i suppose if you, we talked about technology and where things have really we need to look at it's broadband um and there's absolutely no reason why that can't happen um i mean it's going to be a subject for a, for a later podcast um uh, where we'll discuss you know what what should happen there is no reason whatsoever that any school should not have fast broadband we are living in um in a country where 99 percent of the country can get decent broadband and where there's places where there isn't good broadband we need to get it good and we need the schools to be central to that we're very well used to cuts in primary schools uh, over the last decade or so over the last decade funding to primary schools have been chopped at every single angle wherever you look something was cut and sometimes it was very obvious whether that was um, the 25 percent attempt or 15 percent to special education needs resource hours which was never restored and in fact was masked by the new send model uh, and sometimes it was done in kind of an invisible way by stealth and i think adding the um, ICT in, uh, ICT repairs into the minor works grant was one such one. I think that was a very crafty way to basically um, make a, a cut to um, to our uh, to the to to the investment in education. It's um, it's paid to schools um, for minor work repairs, and that it just needs to be done. Basically, we need to basically have a separate grant for technology. Um, it's been the case for a long time, um, and basically. Um, the minor works grant should not be used now to purchase and maintain ICT equipment. There's, um, we've had no increase in the minor works grant even. Uh, that might have been something to uh, to to argue the case for um, not having a separate ICT grant, but um, we need to we need to uh, have something in place for the regular maintenance of. Um, projectors, interactive whiteboards, visualizers, anything really, uh, laptops, um, and then a separate IT grant as well make, uh, to ensure that we get newer stuff. So every few years that we're able to replace uh, older equipment for newer equipment. I know it's expensive, but we're living in a world where we can't live without technology. And really, at the end of the day, we have to face it. That's uh, where we're at. The government really need to up their game and fund the maintenance of ICT property. I suppose that sums it up. Now, these podcasts aren't all doom and gloom. Um, the odd time I'm going to try and be helpful. Um, as I mentioned before, the ICT grant for schools is about to land and most schools are receiving a few thousand euro for themselves. And I thought I'd use this podcast to advise primary schools on what they might spending uh, their money on most schools are going to get in and around anything between two thousand euro and ten thousand euro uh, i would have mentioned in the last uh, podcast that uh, primary schools will be getting about 39 euro per child uh, that's enrolled in their school from the previous year uh, secondary schools will be getting more than that about 20 percent more um as i said i've uh, i have uh, some good experience uh, in the world of technology 20 years in the trade at this stage um and i probably get about three calls a week on average about technology from other principals and other schools and um i know that the person is probably more annoyed after ringing me to be honest with you um the problem i find when i get asked about technology and education when they when they've got a bit of money and mainly it's when they've got a bit of money and they want to buy something is when they ring me the problem is they're asking the wrong question and usually the question is, should I buy? And they name what they should buy. 
Um, right, uh, so for example, they might say, should I buy a laptop or tablets for my school? Um, so I want to propose, what I want to do in this section here is I want to actually propose um, what questions they might ask instead um, and maybe help with that. But I also want to propose an alternative to the digital framework, which is the latest roadmap from the Department of Education and look at what we should uh, should probably buy. So what I'll do first of all is I'll have a look at our digital framework and um, the digital learning framework and see uh, what we can um, what we can learn from it. OK, um, I reviewed on onshot.net the digital learning planning uh, guidelines, which uh, were uh, published uh, a couple of years ago maybe it was maybe the year a year or two ago uh, and basically they've uh, decided that there's six points uh, to the uh, framework so if you want to buy technology you basically have to do the following you um have to um uh, identify a focus so whatever your focus might be that's good you gather some evidence you analyze and make judgments uh, then you write and share a report um, and, imp and an improvement plan, so I suppose um, a bit of paperwork, uh, what, what a surprise. You put the improvement plan into action, you monitor the actions and evaluate the impact, and then you go again and um, start the whole process again by identifying another focus. Now, that's the, that's the digital, that's the, that is the plan for digital learning. There's not a mention of digital there, uh, and you can you know, check it out on their plans on page eight. Um, and you could actually use that plan for anything. That's my problem. I suppose my, my problem is it's not a bad plan, but it's not a bad plan for anything. I mean, I, I gave the example of, you know, you could use that plan to buy a dog. Um, for example, identify your focus. I want to buy a dog and um, gather the evidence. I have money. I have space in my house and garden. I also like dogs and I want a dog. That's evidence. Then we analyze and make some judgments. So um, that that above criteria seems pretty good to me. I like dogs, yeah. So therefore, yeah, cool. Um, so I write a report outlining why I should buy a dog and how it would improve my life. You know, you just just trust me that I, I I've done that and I've shared that and um, all that. Um, and then I I um, bought buy the dog. So I put my improvement into action. Um, my dog. Uh, this is where we come on. Uh, we have to monitor actions. My my dog is weeing all over the house and he also keeps growling at me. Um, I, 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 so what I'll do is I'll give him some CPD. So I train him uh, not to not to do that. Uh, so now my dog is no longer weeing or growling, which is good. Uh, so I monitor my actions and evaluate the impact. And then my second thing is uh, oh, then I go back to identifying a fo focus while I've, I think I might buy another dog. Now, I'm being facetious, obviously. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think a digital learning plan really should focus on digital learning. Um, I mean, it's a good plan, as I said. Um, but uh, but a good plan for anything. Um, the problem is after this digital plan, they've thirty two key areas that we want to uh, that they want to actually um, um, look at, and they're all identified. But in fairness, the um, they're very very verbose, um, and they're I don't know they're not great. Like pupils enjoy their learning and are motivated to learn and expect to achieve as learners. Like what does that mean in terms of technology? Pupils reflect on their progress as learners and develop a sense of ownership of and responsibility for their learning. Again, I don't see any link to technology. What I'd suggest is we're simple, that we simplify things. I think, again, as I said to you in my uh, in the introductory podcast, in in this uh, in these podcasts, what I'm trying to do is I want to simplify the process of education. So my suggestion really would be rather than we rather than going through this six point. Um, six point pr uh, process uh, with the um, very, very vague um, ideas, uh, I suggest that we just ask ourselves three questions. Simple as that. What do we want the children to learn? Whatever it might be. How can technology support it? And where can I get this technology? That's it. If you know, just ask those three questions and it's done. So for example, um, let's say we're focusing on oral language. Uh, a lot of schools have been doing that over the last couple of years with the uh, wonderful primary language curriculum. Um, well, how can we do that? We might, well, how about we could get the children to create their own short podcasts? Well, what would we need for that? Well, we might need a microphone uh, to record or we might need a laptop with a decent microphone in it. And that's it. Um, I don't see any need for anything else. I mean, um, you know, you could pick any aspect of the, of the curriculum and see how ICT can support it. And then just buy it. You know, I, I want you know, you want the children to be able to um, uh, record uh, record movies um, 
to 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 um to support history let's say you're looking at history and you want them to recreate historical things so you might want to make up by decent um devices for recording video i mean that's it i don't really see the point and you may have this stuff so the idea is you're building up according to your school plan the things that you need sometimes you actually won't need to buy anything because you'll have already had it so for example you have a stock of laptops and the project you're working on doesn't need any it doesn't need anything except laptops you save yourself a bit of money so my my, my thing would be what do you want the children to learn how can technology support it and if technology can support it buy the technology simple um anyway <laughs> i'm uh, uh what i uh what, what i want to get back to is this is now the third year in a row that money has come uh to schools and in reality it's not a huge amount and that's fair enough like i i mean it, it we were we're working from a low base um and i'm not expecting miracles but i imagine the first two years were spent basically replacing broken stuff uh, such as interactive whiteboards projectors old laptops maybe adding wi-fi to a school if they didn't have it um however you might be a school that hasn't actually even started on your IC journey really perhaps you've a few bits and pieces but you've got really no idea of where to go so i'm hoping this part of the podcast will help you a little bit um if you're still with me um, if you are like this, I'm, I'm just going to give you a baseline, really, of what every school should have, okay? And um, if you're missing any of these things, I'd suggest that you that you definitely use these as your baseline because um, once you're at the baseline, you can build on that. Uh, this is before you uh, ask your three questions. Every classroom is going to need a decent projector at the very least. And if they really, really, if you really feel passionately about it, an interactive whiteboard. I think the day of the interactive whiteboard's passed, uh, but some schools feel they're still useful, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. But a decent projector, absolutely certain, in every classroom. You're probably going to need a teacher laptop, obviously, that plugs into your, um, into your projector or your interactive whiteboard. Um, this will actually, uh, this gives you the complete setup uh, for a classroom. You've got uh, a big screen that people can focus on. I would also suggest actually schools don't buy individual printers for classroom, but they get a photocopier that is actually capable of network printing. So, right, so the teachers could print from their teacher laptop and then collect the printing from uh, this network printer. Uh, it's very easy to set up. In fact, you don't have to set it up. The photocopying company should do that for you. You're also going to need a network, um, uh, which you should have gotten already um, if you existed um, in 2007, 2008. Uh, but um, if you didn't, it would come with the building um, if you got a new building. If you're brand new, you may not have one yet, but you will get one. So basically, um, you need a network. Um, Wi-Fi, I think, is probably a baseline now. It, uh, you know, I think these days it's, it's not okay not to have Wi-Fi. And the prices come down hugely. Um, really, you know, you're, now when I say hugely, it's still expensive. Um, you'll also need the infrastructure for this. So you're going to need a, a cabinet. Uh, with all the uh, different switches and stuff like that. Again, this isn't for you to do. You just need to give the money to somebody to do it and you need to get a local reputable company to, to install this. And the reason I say local is because you want them to come to you the day it breaks because these things tend to switch off every so often and we need, you will need someone to come to your school quickly because no internet means big problems in schools these days. In fact, uh, whenever the internet goes in my school, um, it, within two, within 30 seconds, it's noticed. It's very interesting. 10 years ago, actually not 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, if the internet down, it could be days before anybody noticed. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, prices uh, for Wi-Fi are around the five grand mark for an average size school now, or a big school really. So I, I would really recommend investing well in that. And I wouldn't go cheap, to be honest, when it comes to Wi-Fi. I'd also suggest a school has some sort of camera to record video. Now this could be in any form. It could be a small iPod that just records video or an iPad, or it could be um, a digital camera that records video, or it could be a proper purpose, uh, purpose-built camcorder. Now if you're creating, um, you know, recording um, a lot, I'd recommend getting a decent camcorder. You know, you're not gonna be spending any more than a few hundred euro really these days on decent uh, camcorders. Um, so it's it's worth buying a decent one if you're going to use it. Just if you're only gonna be using it for small little things, just buy, buy to the level that you think you're gonna use it. Um, I suppose that's really the bare minimum I would have for any school. And after that, I'd be really suggesting that you build on it depending 
um, on your three questions um, that we listed before. However, without a doubt, you'll be wanting something for the children to use. And this is where your first battle is going to be, because the landscape of technology is when you want the children to actually use te their own technology, which uh, should be quite immediately, uh, you're going to be making the choice Windows laptops, iPads or Chromebooks, basically. They're, I would say, the three devices I'd even consider. There are other alternatives, but they're the three I would say are your market leaders. Um, now, this is where I suppose I, I I can't ever get through a podcast without mentioning um, religions. So I suppose I better not change now. To be honest, I, am, I think the world of technology is very similar to the world of religion. Because, whatever, you know, the way people look at technology in a way is like, like choosing a religion. You know, you, for example, you might uh, be someone who loves iPads and basically no matter what happens, no matter what and, and, and what, what's said, you will always defend iPads to the death. Um, but if you're a Windows person, you'll do the same with the Windows laptops. And if you're a Chromebook fan, then you'll do that, too. Um, so what I'm saying to you is like, don't listen to anyone. Don't listen to me um, when it, if I if I tell you what I like. I mean, I'll tell you what I like, but don't listen to that. Listen to yourself. What are you going to use them for? Um, and each of the, the Windows, uh, Apple, iPads and Chromebooks have their own strengths and weaknesses. And what I suggest to you is you have an agnostic view. Um, some would say you should be multi-religious uh, in a way. You should be uh, multi-denominational. Uh, you, you could get a selection of all of them. But in some ways, I think you should have your main choice, whatever that would be, and stick with it. Because it's in, in fairness, these days, it, it's probably a, the best idea to have as, as much consistency as you can. Um, and obviously, there'll be variations from that. So you might you might choose to be a Chromebookies type school. For, so all the students would have Chromebooks. All the teachers might have Windows laptops because you might need the extra power. And you may need a dozen or so iPads to uh, for any multimedia work. So I mean, that could be a good setup. Or you could be a school that invests heavily in iPads and then you might need a few laptops around for when you need the extra power. Um, you may not need Chromebooks in that particular case. Um, I suppose the advantages of them all, and I, I think uh, ultimately this will make your decision for your school, is if we look at all three of them. Um, I've written an article about this on onshaw.net. You can search for um, what you should be buying. Um, Windows laptops are familiar. To most people, most people at home have a Windows laptop. Uh, most of them uh, know how to use them uh, because of, of history. They're also very power. They're also generally quite uh, powerful. They have a keyboard, so people can type if they want. They also um, have no restrictions. So, uh, um, so for example, other uh, devices such as tablets uh, don't allow you to use Flash. And despite the rumors in education, a Flash is not dead. Um, so, for example, when you're using Scratch for programming, you it, that won't work on an iPad. Um, whereas it will on a Windows laptop. Uh, they're basically your your laptops are your you know your your Windows laptops are are I suppose in, if we're comparing in religions I, I guess um, no I'm not going to go there. Uh, they're 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 your every your every um they're they're familiar. They're the one that you, you you go anywhere and it won't whatever happens isn't particularly alien to you. Um, if you choose iPads, uh, you're you're really I think their biggest advantage is multimedia. They are fabulous for multimedia. You want to record a video an iPad will do it brilliantly and professionally and it will look good, it will sound good, everything will be good. Um, and uh, I would say that is where iPads really find their merit. Um, they, um, they're they super for anything to do with graphics, music, um, anything like that. Um, Chromebooks, which uh, I would say their advantage is they tie in beautifully if you are a googly person. So if you're using G Suite for education, it's a no-brainer for me. Uh, the Chromebook does as a basically allows children to have huge control um, and easy control over their G Suite um, account uh, or their Google account. And uh, they're very much like a laptop um, with less power. The great thing for me, um, I suppose, with Chromebooks is that they never get old um, unless they break. So they're always improving. There's, because they're so simple, all they are is they put on uh, all they are, are devices to show the internet and they never really get that old so they never go slow down like laptops and ipads uh, might do they're the advantages i guess the disadvantages windows laptops tend not always well laptops that you that schools can generally afford tend to have a lower battery life than ipads or chromebooks ipads have all the problems of being um 
stuck in the apple uh, garden so you've um, walled garden as it's known so you uh, if you want to connect it to a projector you need to buy another device uh, another wire or an apple tv which is an extra 100 euro um there it also doesn't have flash capabilities they're sort of restrictive in in other ways um i mean they're they're they're, they're they're, everything has a disadvantage chromebooks obviously uh, have the disadvantage of actually just if it's not the internet then it's not really useful you can't actually uh, put on software so microsoft office offline doesn't work on a chromebook not that you'd really want it to but uh, that would be an example where you can't install software so if you had word chart for example which is a popular piece of software in primary schools it doesn't work on a chromebook it also doesn't work on ipads it does work on windows laptops so i mean they're they're they're, they're kind of the advantages and disadvantages there is more um i've written more about that in uh, on on shaw um it's basically what you need to do is you need to choose depending on your requirements um and i would um you know i i would say be wary what you choose because no matter what you choose there will be additional expenses attached to them particularly um when you're trying to attach them to the projectors that you might have or um if you want to do something particularly special uh with them just just to be careful for example uh with a chromebook um if you want to manage your chromebooks um with uh, like all your Chromebooks, let's say you have 50 Chromebooks, you want to manage them centrally, you have to pay 25 euro per Chromebook on top of that to get a license. Um, at a disadvantage, let's say of the iPad, if you want to, as I said, if you want to connect to a projector, you have to buy an Apple TV really to get uh, to do that, which is another 100 euro. There's, um, uh, so I mean, they're, they're, they're the kind of little things that uh, may be, um, maybe uh, issues to look into. Um, another thing, um, you, sh you would probably consider before you did anything else was to get a decent contract with an IT company because of uh, the government don't give technical support it's probably a good idea to find a good uh, IT company that will provide you with that it can get costly but I think it's worth it really if you can have somebody that will come to you within 24 hours 48 hours maybe tops uh, it's it's worth it because um, when computers go uh, stop working they, they it, it can be very problematic for for, uh, for teachers um, and uh, obviously you want things moving along nicely and uh, not getting clogged up. Uh, look, there's so many other things you can buy. Uh, robotics, for example, are getting very popular and you could spend thousands, for example, on Lego um, and uh, Lego we do for, for this. However, you just gotta have to be careful to follow your three questions. If you don't follow your three questions, what if your staff aren't gonna use the Lego? It's not part of your plan. What, what, what good is Lego robotics if you don't know what you're gonna use them for? It'll become tokenistic and what you'll end up happening is you'll find loads of Lego uh, stuffed in the back of shelves in classrooms um, because people won't use them. Um, it's really important that you know what you're going to use them for. Um, I think what we'll do is we might leave that um, for another episode, uh, but I hope this has been reasonably useful as a starting point. Uh, and as always, I'm very, very happy to answer any questions and you can comment on any of the onshaw.net channels uh, leave a review on our podcast channels and i'll do my very very best uh, to get back to you um, uh, as quickly as i possibly can um, we'll have a look now at what's going to be on next week's show um, after saint patrick's day so next week's show we need to talk about guelga yep next week just after saint patrick's day i'm going to annoy the guelgory um, it's one of my favorite hobbies um in parents futile quest for the enigma that is called the good school are parents using Gwell Skullner for something other than their graw for the language and really if we're absolutely serious about the Irish language why aren't we making all primary schools Gwell Skullner you can expect some wild assertions on next week's show but until then I guess it's probably safe to say Slán Gafal thanks a million see you next week